And I think that's where a little bit, we as water managers get a little frustrated. We've conserved significantly. I think most agencies have cut water use and we think that we think our residents, we think our customers. So people have really contributed. Oh, 43, 50% uh, reduction in their water use from just 10 to 12 years ago. But unfortunately, we have really strict rules and regulations in the state that make it difficult for not only us as water managers, water districts to operate under, but you look at just building something. Even in 2014, the voters passed a water, parks, and recreation bond. $2.7 billion was allocated to build additional storage. Eight years ago, we haven't built anything yet. My guest today is Greg Thomas, General Manager of Elsinore Valley Municipal Water District in Southern California. As water managers really are expecting the state, and everybody should, expect the state to do more. Is it true that California is going to lose 10% of its water in the next 18 years? And what can we do to avoid the water crisis? Keep watching to find out the answers in today's episode. I'm Skamak Korami. Welcome to California Insider. Thank you. Appreciate being Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, so we want to talk to you about the, the, the drought and water shortage that we have. Mm -hmm. We're hearing about this drought. We're hearing how we have to conserve and, um, you know, some people are claiming it's climate change and whatever is happening. But from on another count, it looks like we've had some mismanagement in the way we calculate how much water we would have from the snowpacks. Can you explain what's been going on? Sure. Um, you know, of course, Water management across the state is, can be very complex. Um, we definitely know that there's climate change going on throughout the world. Um, you know, somebody said once before that there's a set amount of water in the world. It just, where it goes, whether it's an ice, steam, or rain, and where the patterns take it, we know that the climate in California, you know, you could just see the snowpack in the Sierras, how we're getting our, our, our water is, is changing uh, every day, you know, over the decades. I think, you know, we, we've been hearing a lot about climate change and, and, and add up, you know, those types of things. The frustrating part is I think we haven't been adapting our management of it. So, you know, you can see reports of 10% water loss in California by 2040, correct? Yeah. I was looking back at some history and the first Governor Brown <laughs> talked about some very similar things that there's three legs to this that we need to think about the environment, agriculture and urban, you know, the population. You go back to 1992, um, Governor Wilson was facing a very similar situation we have now with a drought and where are we going to get. We had a lot more water in the Sierras. I think there was a lot more precipitation and abilities, but he identified and they had a three, it's kind of funny word, three-way party, but the environmental community, the farming community and the urban community got together and said, how are we gonna fix this? And he set sort of a roadmap to fix the management of the system. Nothing had really been built um, other than the state water project and the Central Valley project that's federally controlled. So we're looking back 30 years ago, they identified, we need to look at what we can do for off-stream storage, additional storage, project what we're doing for the future. Um, you know, it takes such a long time to do anything in the state. Um, and I think that's where a little bit, we as water managers get a little frustrated from the more state level is that 
we should have been building a lot more things and doing a lot more things to prevent where we're at right now. We've conserved significantly. I think most agencies since the, you know, 12 years ago, 10 years ago, have cut water use. And we think that we think our residents, we think our customers, our constituents um, and businesses. So people have really contributed. Oh, 43, 50% con uh, reduction in their water use from just 10 to 12 years ago. And so conservation is important. It's a, I think it's a portion of how we get through this water crisis, but it's a very small portion because urban, commercial, that's your commercial, that's your institutional schools, it's, it's industry, it's your residential folks, use maybe 10% of the total water in California. 40% goes to about ag, agriculture, and they're being cut, and the rest to the environment. When you look at things, you, we can measure what we use urban. We have meters, not everybody's metered, but we can pretty much know. I know how much water I sell a year and how much is distributed, and I can tell you all the buckets it goes into because we measure it. Farmers, they're probably the most efficient, some of the most efficient people, probably some of the best businessmen because, you know, California feeds the, not only the nation, the world, but they know what goes in. They measure those drops. They they have they know how to increase their production cycle. I I commend farmers nowadays and what they have to go through in in the information and and the efficiencies and the knowledge they have to have with with everything the plants climate. So they're about forty percent, but they're taking a, a, a haircut in their usage. Um, you know, there's five percent state water project amounts going down to the farmers. Nothing on the Central Valley, so you're following five hundred thousand acres of land. So that's probably 20, 30,000 jobs. You're looking at probably one point some billion dollars in revenue to the state. Um, you're looking at, you know, you, you less kinda, food. So we're losing less food. Some yeah, food and then with inflation, yeah. definitely the less food. Um, <clears throat> and then you look at just the cause and effects. Um, you fallow 500,000 acres. Well, you're not watering it. Grasses are, in, you know, it's warm. Things aren't growing. So now you have a dust issue. And now you're complicating the health issues of the locals. Because when the wind blows, it causes the dust that people breathe it in. Now you have potentially increases in asthma. So it's kind of this weird oodle loop. But going back to the idea of, you know, I think we as water managers really are expecting the state, and everybody should expect the state to do more. So you mentioned that, that since 92, we actually recognized what we needed to do and Correct. it looks like we haven't done anything about it, right? No, there hasn't been. There's been uh, Diamond Valley Lake has been built by Metropolitan Water District of uh, Southern California. Um, I believe one reservoir up north, off-stream off storage has been built. Um, we've identified like for sites. I mean, in, even in 2014, the voters passed a water, parks, and recreation bond. $2.7 billion was allocated to build additional storage. Eight years ago, we haven't built anything yet. Sites is the go-to reservoir, but there was eight projects identified in that bond, Proposition 1, to build additional storage and conveyance. Nothing's been done. So we're kind of a little behind the power curve in, in this is my opinion, um, in how we're addressing the crisis. Why do you think uh, we can't do it? Because it's, it's, this is not a, we have a lot of engineers and we have a lot of innovation in this state. This is not a, it, we have a lot of technology, yeah. probably we can do it, right? 
it's kind of a multi-headed hydra in a way. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, kind of going back to Governor Wilson in the 92, they had that group just trying to work together. There were the water wars, you called it. Um, I think when it was, is if we all work together, we'll all win. And I think there's been a sort of a divestiture from that where one group um, is kind of looked at winning over all the others. Um, and that would be, I would could call the environmental group. Um, we have really strict rules and regulations in the state that make it difficult for not only us as water managers, water districts to operate under, but you look at just building something. CEQA and then on the federal side, NEPA, um, uh, California Environmental Quality Act, uh, CEQA. And so that kind of hamstrings a lot of what we, what we want to do. I think we're all environmentalists. I'm an environmentalist, I'm a conservationist. I grew up in Indiana, belonged to Isaac Walton. It was a conservation group. It was about the environment, what we can do to better the environment also, but to be smart about it. For instance, you know, overpopulation of deers that overpopulate or grow too much are actually bad for it. And their aspect was you can hunt to a certain limit, keep the herds down, they're healthier, they're stronger, they're better for the environment. So those are kind of the, some of the ethos that you know I grew up under. Um, and we all as water managers are about the environment, about conservation, about being efficient in our water use. Um, but I think here in the state, and this is again, um, me personally, um, we've kind of, there's one special interest group that tends to control a lot of things in the um, up in uh, Sacramento. Do you think this group, which is the environmentalists, mm -hmm. right, do you think they ha might have gone to an extreme or do you think they are not considering uh, others in this process? I think that uh, overall the environmental special interest groups, a good portion of them want to balance. They do want to work, but I think like in any aspect of it, you know, whether it's water management or or anywhere, you have a fringe element that's very extremist. And so I think that's the portion that tends to get a lot of the public media attention, et cetera, that, that does drive some of the decisions that are coming out of uh, Sacramento. So the water, the, the half that's going to the environment, it's, it's uh, to protect certain species, mm -hmm. right? This is, can you explain that part? And there was a Supreme Court rule in ruling, right? It was Correct, on the Delta smelt. So, and, and again, we're, I pr I'm, I'm encouraging, and like our water district, we put five and a half million gallons of highly treated recycled water into Lake Elsinore every day. That's keeping the health of the lake. Otherwise, it would be a mud puddle. But we're keeping the health of that lake so that, you know, it serves a lot of purposes for recreation and the environment, et cetera. So yeah, you have certain species, and again, we don't want things to go extinct. But I think that has really hampered the abilities to manage the water system uh, more efficiently. For instance, there's only certain times you can pump water through the delta, the Bay Delta, um, based on the uh, Delta smelt or um, some other species aspect related to it. So when we have these big deluges of water, for instance, in December we had so much rain and snow, we had massive amounts of um, rain. All that went out. Under the so we couldn't grade. pump them more. Correct. At that we should have at that point again. I'm you know. And essentially, so you <coughs> pump the water out to come to to you take pump it, it to through the, the Bay Delta, through the, the normal estuaries, etc., and then go south, and we could have put it in storage. Um, and so I think you know from that again, it's easy to play a little bit of armchair quarterback, not knowing the full climactic conditions that would have happened January through April, 
uh, which is our more, you know, October through April is our, our rainy season for California. So do these regulations, uh, do they not give us flexibility? Because it seems like, it, was it that we had to pump certain hours, certain amounts Correct. of time, no certain matter how much water comes? Certain times of the year, they're allowed to pump south. Um, and so, yes, we're, we're limited on those times when we can take advantage of that uh, large amount of water, rainfall, et cetera, and put it to where we needed to do it. So that would have been a great advantage of having some of the off-stream storage at that point. With all that water coming, we could have put it in off-stream off storage, like sites, uh, reservoir, which is off, you know, uh, um, off the, um, what river that is, Sacramento, I believe. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> coming off of that out of Shasta, we could have pumped that. And then we would have that water for the environment, for agriculture, agriculture. and for the urban folks. And so I think, you know, when you look at that, I applaud or we thank the governor for his recent plan that he just issued last week. Can about you explain more about this plan? Because yeah. they want to they do a tunnel. Is that a tunnel? Yes, the, the Delta Tunnel has been uh, talked about for 40, 50 years uh, to fix, help fix this whole issue in the Bay Delta. Um, concerns about if there's a massive earthquake, the, the Delta is made up of a lot of islands in effect. I, if you have a chance to visit, have visited it where you're actually on the island and the water is above your head. Wow. It's maintained by levees. And it's kind of, it's, it's surreal in a way. You're like, oh, goodness gracious. So if those levees fail, let's say we have a massive earthquake, then that whole water system could be uh, compli compromised. So the tunnels is to move it about 45 miles or 35, 40 miles. So the intake is further upstream. Wouldn't affect as much of the, the, the um, the, the um, species, the species, the delta smelt, and saltwater intrusion. So we have a lot of saltwater intrusion coming in, just normal tides coming up and down. Um, and as sea level rises, as part of uh, climate change, you know, the, they're now having a little higher level of seawater. So we have to be, you know, uh, cautious of that seawater coming into the into the Bay Delta. Um, and so that would provide a won't provide more water but it provides more reliable water so that when we get these massive rains and they're even projecting the next calamities for the state is flooding, massive flooding. Hmm. Because of the droughts, there's not there, but now we're gonna get these huge rains uh, and you've seen some recently across the United States because of climate change, you're not gonna get a couple inches over a couple months. You may get a foot of rain in a very short period. So the tunnels would help um, so we wouldn't rely that. on the pumps anymore? Is that No, the pumps would still be there, but, but the tunnels would provide would it from a higher level that we can provide a more reliable source. How realistic is this? Because you mentioned 30 years ago we, we had some plans and we weren't able to, to do it. From <coughs> the reports I read that this, this project, if, even if they move forward, it will start construction in 2018. And there's still some people that are, that are against it. Correct. So the uh, Department of Water Resources just published the new environmental impact report, uh, very voluminous uh, aspect. The Governor Newsom had gone from two tunnels to one tunnel. Um, he realizes and his administration recognizes that we do need this. And uh, I'm hopeful that the powers to play along the administration, his, his cabinet folks uh, can work with the various groups there to get this completed. And so it's just, it's just one aspect of better water management. I think you know when we have solved the water crisis coalition of um, water agencies up and down the state, and we're working with the business communities, the chamber, the 
California Chamber of Commerce, our local chambers and a variety of groups, we're recognizing that we need to not, con cons conservation won't get us out of the drought. It'll help, but it's just a small facet. Um, we really- Because the portion we can conserve is very small, correct. right, of We've the whole total equation. Yeah. We're getting a lot more efficient. I mean, new homes coming in, um, in our service area, we've had an 8% increase in, in population and a 6% decrease in water usage. Wow. So, okay. you know, so we're doing managing. our- Yeah, and new homes are more efficient, your washers and dryers, and, and people who are getting that ethos of conservation, being more water efficient. Our gardens are, are more water efficient. Um, so I think the general population of the state recognizes that. So we really need to focus on um, educating our legislators and our business community and our administration to look at these big projects. Uh, we really need some offsite storage. We need fix to the conveyance system, the Delta tunnels. Uh, definitely think and recognizing that water reuse, recycling our wastewater to drinking water standards. It's happening in various places of the uh, world, Singapore and some others. Um, the State Water Resources Control Board has a mandate through uh, legislation and in, it's in the governor's plan by the end of 2023, so about a year and a half from now, to come out with guidelines and regulations on how to do it. And we're, in, we're encouraged by that because we have plans in the future to use our wastewater for drinking water. And many, many agencies are in that boat. And we, we appreciate the support of the federal government, the state governments, and, and ask others that help us fund it because it's very expensive. Now, in terms of this plan, what do you think it will take for the state to be able to accomplish something like this tunnel project? I think that's gonna require um, good leadership and not dropping, keeping their, keeping their eye on the ball and really working with everybody and explaining the benefits of it. Um, it would be a major catastrophe if we have a major catastrophe and we don't have it. Southern California, which is two thirds of your population of the state would be cut off from significant amount of water. A lot of water agencies, and they're experiencing it here in Metropolitan Water District, are reliant only, uh, only have state water project or imported water from the Colorado River. That river is stressed uh, also. So my former water district that I was a general manager at, the only water we had was imported. So if we don't have imported water, we had emergency connections with sister agencies that did have some other sources, et cetera, but that's not gonna be enough. So you could just see the uh, calamity in that regard. So it is really, we're encouraged by his plan. Um, we're hoping that everybody gets behind it. We really let everybody behind it so that we really can fix it. And we appreciate the influx or the, the proposal for funding could do local. We're about 60% relying on imported water, my, our water district. In terms of accountability on these projects, because we had the desalination project and mm -hmm. the governor was for it, but the people that were on that board, they didn't vote for Correct. it, they didn't allow it, the Coastal Commission Correct. didn't allow it. In terms of accountability, how much of it is there? Your colleagues, when you guys, local level water district executives, they sit together, how do you see the state, the water agency? How, how do you think they're doing? And uh, from what we get as, as consumers, we hear that there's drought, this is climate change, sorry, conserve. Mm -hmm. And we may not farm as much, farmers may not. Is there another message that we should be hearing? 
Yeah, I think the governor's, the plan, and then things that we've all been talking about for many, many years, like D-cells, are just one um, tool, you know, that we should be using for water uh, supply. The Carlsbad desalination plant there in, you know, um, the, in Carlsbad um, is about 50,000 acre feet a year, somewhere around there, and it can expand. So that's a significant amount of water that's going to be there 24-7 unless there's a plant upset, of course, but I mean, you can rely on that water 24 seven. So that's, that's significant. And, and the agencies in San Diego made that investment. It wasn't cheap, but they've, I mean, it's paying off now. <laughs> you have to make those investments. I think that you know, desalination, uh, recycling our wastewater to drinking water or um, uh, indirect or direct potable re reuse is, is key. Um, fixing the conveyance systems. Conservation is a small part of that. So the more we do overall collectively, and I, the better it is for the state too. So again, locally we have a responsibility. We've done a lot. I, I can't speak for all my fellow general managers, but I know a lot of them. In fact, here in Orange County, they got or Orange County Water District, one of the largest indirect potable reuse projects. Uh, reusing recycled water, putting it back in the ground. Fabulous. What a huge, what a significantly important project. They're a lot more independent from, from the imported water. But like I said, a lot of agencies don't have that ability. So, so it seems like the local water agencies are working very hard to, to deal with these obstacles. <coughs> but at the state level or, or um, the state agency might need to do better, or at least we should have some long-term planning so that you guys are not juggling all of this, or there's a flaw somewhere up there. Well, yeah, I mean, given my background, I'm sometimes a little brutally honest or whatever. <laughs> um, it, it's a group, I think they're trying. I think that uh, we really need to break down some of that stranglehold that certain special interest groups have on them and really recognize that it's gonna take everybody up and down the chain and that we need to, you know, again, work with Solve the Water Crisis Coalitions and other things to allow us as water managers to be have a bigger say in what is happening. We're the experts, we run these, we do this day in and day out. Um, and I think sometimes we're our voices are not heard as much um, through all the noise that goes up and down the state and, and through the, those aspects. So um, I'm, I'm encouraged by the plan in the fact that we hopefully can get everybody to the table to work a little bit closer because the better we manage our water, it's better for everybody. Like I said, if we're managing the water better and understanding the changes and putting things in place. So if we do a desalination plant and that frees up 50 or creates 50,000 gallons of new water or 50,000 acre feet of new water, acre foot's of uh, 326,000 gallons, enough for basically two to three homes, you know, depending on so how many. So that's 100 to 150,000 homes. Correct. Yeah. Um, or businesses or other things. Um, frees up that other limited resource for potentially the environment. And so I think one of the things you asked me what the challenge or what the roadblock, a lot of it is I think the regulations. And I'm hoping that with the governor's plan to say, let's look at what we can do to speed up the permitting. Let's see what we can do for regulatory hurdles to CEQA. Um, how we can maybe not, we're litigious in the state. 
I don't like what happened, I'm gonna sue you. You know, you could have, we, we do environmental impact reports. They go through a litany of reviews. They go through all these other aspects. They finally go through various agencies, et cetera. They get approved by, let's say, my board of, board of directors for a project. And then somebody doesn't, doesn't like it, does, doesn't like it, sues. And it gets held up for three or four years. So you've got this project that could have been built, doing good, being sued. And it costs the ratepayers even more. It costs more and it will hurt us in the long run. Correct. If that, yes. if that, so. uh, is there a way for the water experts to work with the environmentalists? Is, does it have to be some level of communication where it seems like there might not be enough trust or whatever it is that is there a way for you guys to work together? And there is, and, and we are. I think there's uh, various groups that are working together. I know our, our sister agencies up in the Bay, Bay Area, uh, San Francisco, et cetera, do work uh, often closely, a lot closer with the environmental communities than maybe some of us down here. Um, and, but yeah, we need to just come to the table and, you know, and be, be honest and, and want to work together. Um, we're always willing to work. You know, I've, I've attended various working groups on low income rate assistance and, and those types of things. And it was good dialogue. But unfortunately, I felt too that people were like, we'll solve it, we'll fix it from the state level, but they don't have the technical managerial financial expertise. And we would love to be able to be a little more helpful. You know, I'd love to do an adopt a, a small community you know, give them the technical manager on financial assistance pro bono. Do it on my time. I'll do it on my time. I'll drive on a weekend to somebody who needs help. I will have no problems doing that. And if we do that across the state, we can solve a lot of those uh, or even using charities. There's a lot of charities like uh, Water for People is a huge internationally, nine countries. And they have a very good model that gets people with clean water and sustainability and, uh, and sanitation. Incorporate some of those models uh, across. So. In terms of the, the challenges that you guys mm -hmm. face in the big picture, what are, are there any other elements that you need to keep considering on a regular basis when oh, you're that, running? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that is a little interesting is, is the push towards complete green energy, you know, uh, solar or wind, et cetera. Um, and you, when you look at the impact, for instance, the Colorado River is stressed. Low Lake Mead is lo the lowest it's ever been. Powell's low. If we don't have any more rain next year and gets that lake filled, we're going to even be more stressed. People will be taking less water. Arizona, Nevada, and Mexico are the first. To, right now, there was come out with some cuts in their allocation starting next year, but it's hydroelectric. So those dams and a lot of the dams produce a lot of hydroelectric power. So we don't have enough backup in solar or, or, or wind. We really need those um, gas-fired power plants. We need those nuclear. Nuclear is clean energy. We should be building nuclear power plants. Water is very energy intensive to move it around, even to treat it. I have wastewater plants, water treatment plants. It takes a lot of energy to treat that. The thing that I get a little frustrated with is, is the policy of the state to move to completely renewable energy. I mean, they're wanting all electric homes, all electric vehicles. They've mandated that we as public agencies, et cetera, go to electric vehicles by certain times. 
well, I'm going to tell you right now. And they kind of recognize it. There was a, we are at a conference last week. They recognize they want us to go to certain, well, dump trucks, my vector trucks that go out on the site to suck up sewer, do cleaning, et cetera. There's nothing on the market, will not be on the market for years to be electric. Yet they're kind of mandating us to go to electric. And yet, you know, if you have a power outage, how do you run all of this? I have backup generators at all my plants or all the key infrastructure, the sewer plants, the water plants, et cetera, the pump stations, and they're huge. And so then you're battling with the Air Resources Board that says uh, emergencies, you're allowed a certain amount of thing, but the restrictions on what you can use. And so you're kind of like this, I'm being told, you know, I'm losing power here, I got to go to generators, but I may be violating a regulation here. So, so are you losing, are you, is this a concern that you may, there might be blackouts and brownouts? Is that, all, does that Always, happen? yes. Yeah, I think we're a little more reliable, at least in our service area, but we've had some. I mean, all it takes sometimes is a, is a uh, vehicle hitting a power pole, taking out a portion of the grid, you know, it, it, that alone can, can cause problems. So it's not just a overusage, you know, flex alert that you hear on the news or whatever. It could be just something local. And so we're running. And you guys are more power intensive, like the, what you use compared to, because residentials may not feel the power outages. Oh, they do. You guys, you're going to get you it, okay. you know. And so, yeah. you know, you're, you can't, what kind of to me is a little interesting is, okay, you want to have all electric house, be alert from four to nine, because that's when everybody comes home, does cooking and doing whatever. That's when the power teams increase consumption of, across now commercial does sometimes drop off but if we have a power outage during that time you can't even cook can't do your microwave can't use your stove we have gas stoves I, I think that's smart to have a gas stove I mean it's it's not putting that much greenhouse gas I mean California only does what I said one percent of the total greenhouse gases across the world and yet we have such a you know and that was the environmental lawyer she you know you think about we've pushed a lot of industry out of California. You know, one reason, greenhouse gas, whatever. But think about the product that now, now we've pushed it to China or it doesn't, you know, and then again, we, we global economy. They produce the widget, whatever it is. But they use coal. <laughs> they use coal. Then they put it on a ship that burns fuel oil, ship it across the ocean to put on a truck to go somewhere else, then another truck to go, or a rail car, and then a truck, and a truck. So when you think about the true impacts, you've probably- Caused more damage to the environment. 10 to 20 times more just to do that if you hadn't just did it Kept right it here. And had a job for people, right? So I, it just, it's kind of like, but it's out of sight, out of, sight, out of mind. It's, it's over there. I can measure it here. So that's where I get a little. Just the frustrating, right? frustrating yeah. part. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to use a different word, but that's nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts for our audience? Just know that it's going to take a lot of effort together. But uh, you know, as water managers, we want to. We lots of things keep me up at night. Cybersecurity, you know, cleanliness of our water, etc. But I think that overall, and I'm like myself, but I think I could speak for a lot of our water managers. We're trying to do and not fail. Um, and fight the good fight as best as we can. Keeping it affordable too. 
when we have all these new constituents we have to clean out of the water, potentially wastewater, those are tens of millions of dollars in technology we have to use. You know, and so we look and want to work with the state and the federal government. And they've been good here, the huge influx of funding to help us with that. But, uh, you know, we, we look at affordability and trying to keep everything um, as low. Water, it's, it's the cost of water, right? You, you have a water rate. When you look at a gallon of water, it's about a penny out of your tap. And the super majority of the state gets really good water. You can drink it out of the tap. I drink it out of the tap. Um, so we think about what it all takes, all the, you know, we have 1,200 miles of pipe in our, in our service area. It's enough pipe to stretch from here to Denver. And we have to maintain all these systems, and yet you only have to pay about a penny a gallon. That's pretty, that's pretty good. So, you know, again, cost is what you pay, value is what you get, and we provide a, a service. So I'm, I'm kind of beating what we do as water, water managers and water agencies. But I think, again, I think being conservation, being efficient, not wasting the water is extremely important. So don't just go down and hose down your driveway, run your sprinklers for, you know, four hours a day just because you want super lush yards, et cetera. Think about those aspects, but let your uh, electeds know what, what's going on and be educated about sure. things. Greg Thomas, General Manager of El Valley Municipal Water District. It was great to have you on California Insider. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here.